Hey, hello everybody and welcome back to the British Canoeing Paddlecast. I'm Etienne Stott, Olympic champion, rebel and hopefully paddler till I die. I don't know if anyone managed to get out there over their bank holiday weekend onto the water. I hope you managed. I had a little cheeky go and it was really nice. And as always, I love to get out on the water. So yeah, thank you for being here tonight. And if you're watching again or listening on the on the podcast, thank you so much for, for getting involved that way. And I just want to let you know, you know, last week's episode that we had was so cool. We had three Tokyo bound athletes on I had a lovely chat with Liam Heath, Adam Burgess, both of who are going to be representing Team GB at the Olympic Games in Tokyo in a few months' time. And we had Charlotte Henshaw, Para Canoe World Champion, hoping to qualify for the Paralympics. So if you missed it last week, check it out, listen again, or via your favorite podcast your favorite podcast provider, excuse me, or via the Paddlers Portal on British Canoeing website. If you leave a comment or subscribe if you like it, that's cool. It all helps us to get out, get out there. So, yeah, welcome. It's really good to have you along here, and thank you for being here so much. And so tonight we've got a really uh, interesting episode, another great one. We're talking to two incredible role models in the paddling world, Ailey Gibson, founder of Slalom Inspires, and Adia Misra, one of the British Canoeing She Paddles Club Champions. So, yeah, thank you for being here, both of you. I know they're just waiting in the wings and here they come. So lovely to see Adia and Ailey. Welcome to the Paddlecast. Uh, lovely, to, lovely to have you along. So uh, I'm just going to introduce everybody to introduce you to everybody. So um, Adia Misra is one of the British canoeing club champions. She's a keen paddler, hugely passionate about helping women develop as paddlers, encouraging them to try new craft, coaching them to improve their technique, but mostly looking to create environments in which they feel confident and comfortable to paddle in. So Adia, I heard that you started paddling in Sweden back in 2014. And I guess, you know, I've heard that you're a kayak and canoe coach. And so you're also quite into paddle boarding and working with small groups in your local canoe club. And we're just talking before the show started that you're based in the Wirral. So that's really nice. And, you know, you do blogs on your adventures, getting inspiring people to get out there. And I think it's really interesting as well that your um, She Paddles club champion hoping to improve representation of women at a local canoe club, not just as members, but in more leadership roles. So really trying to get women into the sport, into the community more, more involved. So I understand that, you know, with paddling, blogging, your She Paddles work, you're also looking to increase like diversity in general in our paddling community from a gender and ethnicity and neurodiversity perspective. So it sounds like you're on an absolute mission and it's really cool to have you. And I just thought it'd be interesting because I don't actually know how you got started in paddling. Can you tell us a bit more about, you know, your journey into paddling, if you'd like to share that with us and, and how you kind of find yourself in 2021 on this uh, on this show? Uh, yeah, I'd be delighted to. Um I started kayaking purely by accident. Uh, I was in Sweden. I was working in a research lab because that's what I did at the time. I had a very persistent friend who suggested I try kayaking. She had been kayaking, I think, for 30 years because that's what Swedes do in the summer. And she said, well, why don't you try? Why don't you come down to the lake? And I said, I'll never make it out of the lab. I usually, I'm usually here till 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night working on my experiments. And she said, don't worry about it. Just show up. Uh, and I did, and it was absolutely amazing. Uh, I was really scared. 
because I've never been sporty in my life, never did much um, athletic stuff. Uh, so I was really worried about getting in a boat by myself. I convinced one of my friends to come in a double kayak with me from the lab because, you know, we need we need other other people to cheer us on. Hey, tell me about it. You always need a buddy in your canoe. Exactly. And um, yeah, I've never really looked back since. I I started paddling every week. Weekly paddles became, you know, multi-day paddling adventures. I moved back to the UK and I paddled for a couple of years in London. And uh, that's where I did all my coaching qualifications and, you know, a couple of other canoe awards, kayak awards. It's it's been it actually feels surreal now that I think about it. When I started, I never thought I'd be kayaking in 2021 and coaching people to uh, kayak or canoe or even paddleboarding. It's it's quite surreal for me. And what was the name of your persistent friend who badgered you into onto the water? In uh, it, her name is Katarina, and I think she's watching okay. today from Stockholm. Shout out to Katarina. Woo! Thank you. Well, look, it's great to have you on the show. And uh, yeah, really looking forward to finding out a bit more about what we're going to find out about as we go. So I'm going to just come to Ailey now. So Ailey, you're a slalom C1 paddler. Uh, you set up the Slalom Inspires program when you're sidelined from racing. And I, well, I guess it was born out of your passion for canoe slalom and your want and desire to get more girls into the sport. And, you know, we still have a, a sport that's got a higher proportion of male and female participants. So when that started, the Slalom Inspires program, I, I remember actually, it was, you know, just a one-off, I think, in fact. And then it's just kind of mushroomed, grew legs and, and it, it's ran. And, and and now it's fast, you know, become a kind of fixture on the Slalom calendar. And it caught the eye of one of my favourite people, uh, the amazing the most excellent Dame Catherine Granger, who came and presented to the young athletes, uh, the young female athletes back in 2019. And then you also won uh, an award, a UK Sport Award uh, that year, Ailey. So it sounds like you're doing super, super cool. Um, and all that stuff is, I don't know, I think it's been really inspiring for me personally to watch it. And I, I guess the, the work that you've done with young female athletes has been incredible. And I know the next kind of development in, the, in, in, in this kind of mission that you're on is the creation of Project Flow. And it's that's an initiative to empower and upskill women and girls to become canoeing coaches. So it'll be really cool. I just wondered if you'd just tell us a little bit more about Slalom Inspires, uh, first of all, and what kind of drove you to kind of get that off the ground, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, for sure. Um, thanks for having me on. It's it's really cool to chat to you guys tonight. Um, I, I was training as a full-time athlete. I have been for a couple of years and um I, I finished uni in 2018 and and was like right ready let's let's do a full-time training and unfortunately I had a shoulder injury that was gonna leave me out of the boat for six months and so I suddenly had kind of all this time on my hands and thought um my brain just is um very active and I was immediately bored so um I kind of took this passion I've always had this passion for women and girls in sport and I was like, right, okay, let's let's run an event for the girls um, of canoe slalom. And I mean, initially it was going to be ridiculous. I was like, we'll invite everybody and we'll have this huge, huge event. And then I was quite, luckily I had good people around me to say, okay, let's be realistic here. But what we ended up doing in uh, 2018, November 2018, is we had 60 girls come from all of the UK. We had people from every home nation 
uh, that paddled in slalom and we we ran a weekend where we had um girls only paddling sessions we had like team building um we had incredible uh, female role models come in from different sports to to do workshops on things like body image and it, it was a really special weekend actually there was kind of like a magic in the air that um from the volunteers the girls the parents it was kind of quite clear that okay maybe we need to continue this and and then it's taken over my life mm. no it was incredible and I remember I, I remember you know it was like I think I remember like hearing about the plans and everyone was like you know Ailey's you know very amazing person and see what and it just everyone was super enthusiastic and it did just create this kind of burst of of, of energy and uh it's just yeah it's really amazing to to see how it's grown and i don't know if you would mind you know tell a little bit about this project flow as well because that sounds really cool because i guess again in not you know i guess my perception especially in slalom is that there's not many female coaches um and that i think well, I guess that's something you're on the case with, right? Yeah, for sure. So we've run quite a few Slam and Spars events now. We've run smaller events um, called regional events that are in each of the home nations for for our younger paddlers. Um, but I've I, for a while now, I felt we need we need to kind of address the massive disparity that there is in uh, the number of males and females coaching in canoe slalom. And so with help of a couple of people and bouncing ideas off people like. Um, Adam Johnston and we kind of came up this idea with for Project Flow which stands for female leaders on water and um, recognizing that there are uh, women and girls out there already coaching in clubs but are quite isolated in, in different part all different corners of the UK and so we thought okay if we can bring them all together and create a bit of a community and that's what we've done is we've got 22 aspiring female coaches on our program and we've paired them with a mentor each who are um, experienced coaches in paddle sports. And it's, it's not just slalom actually. So we've got a whole bunch of the slalom coaches, but also sup coaches and uh, white water coaches and freestyle coaches. And they've been paired as mentors. And um, through our kind of monthly hangouts as we're delivering like coach development sessions to, um, to really kind of hopefully bring these girls together, help support and upskill them and, and celebrate them as the role models that they are in our community cool what does flow stand for again just tell me uh, female leaders on water on the water love it absolutely quality well that sounds wicked um so adia i just thought i'd ask you as well so there's this thing called she paddles and it's got a hashtag before it so it's hashtag she paddles and uh, i'm wondering if you can just explain to people a little bit about what that is and how you came to be involved in it and, and what does it mean to you to be uh, this uh, you know she paddles champion uh yeah i think well i hope it, i get it right um i think the idea behind the don't worry no one no, everyone everyone they'll, they'll, they'll work it out uh, i think the idea behind the hashtag is to get more women out there sharing their paddling stories and images just to break things up a bit change what role models should look like in the paddle sports community and the program started by British Canoeing was really to get more women as ambassadors of the sport and more women as leaders and coaches in club scenarios so there is the She Paddles Ambassadors program and there's a club champions program. Um, I think it's still quite new, relatively new um, and I applied to be a She Paddles ambassador last summer 
And I spoke to the marvelous lady, Katie, who told me that I was probably better suited to be a club champion because of what I wanted to achieve, which was basically improve the provision of paddle sports in on a very grassroots level. I'm fairly hands-on. Um, I don't get to work in a lab anymore, but I still like to do things instead of just sitting on a computer. So it was just better suited for me. And we started this journey as a as a group of club champions in our local canoe club. And what I didn't appreciate at the start of it was how much of it is literally project work. So part of it as a club champion is that you develop and become a paddle sports instructor. Uh, I'm already a coach, so I wasn't looking for that qualification, but I'm glad that that's an opportunity for others who are interested. Uh, for me, it was more making kind of structural changes at the club, uh, small or big, just to get uh, maybe more female members, more female leaders, um, just changing the narrative a little bit um, step by step for women. Yeah. So I just noticed in the in the comments we've got Katarina Larson. I'm assuming this yes. is one and the same Katarina. Yes. Very cool initiatives. Greetings. Thank you for being here all the way um, from Stockholm. Thank you so much for being there. And hello, James. There's a few other people. Jimmy and Jonathan. Almost everybody seems to have a name beginning with J or K. What's the chance of that? Who knows? So um, I'm, I'm, I'm dying of curiosity as well, Adia. What is your job? Because you said you used to be in a lab, and now I'm kind of interested to find out. And I'll come back to sheep paddles. I just want to add to that. Uh, yeah, so I used to be a researcher. I used to work in rare disease genetics. And as I mentioned, it took up pretty much all of my time. And once I discovered kayaking, I realized that that was quite incompatible with my career. And I decided to change jobs. So now I work in medical publishing, which is fairly nine to five, give or take, <laughs> but I still have, I don't have to work weekends, which I used to as a researcher, so I can just go paddling whenever I like. So paddling has really completely changed your kind of orientation and like you've... Uh, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Good effort. And the, 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 yeah, the rare diseases, that sounds very exotic and kind of, kind of scary, <laughs> but it's cool. Thank you. Yeah. For, yeah, it's wicked that you've managed it. You know, I, I think it's just really interesting how paddling gets under the skin of people, you know, and uh, yeah. it's, it's super cool. I was speaking to someone earlier on today who kind of just, you know, just they, they can't, they describe themselves as a born again paddler. I was like, it's really funny. Yeah. Uh, but it's, I've never heard that expression. I'm sure people say it about it, but I, I like that. So now I just want to ask you as well. So Adia, you know, this, what would it look, what would the world look like to you? What would the paddling community look like to you if you managed to kind of uh, succeed and, and have all the, all the things that you're hoping that you're working on kind of bear, you know, to come to their kind of, well, to their fruition, I suppose. What, how would you see things? Uh, I think on a fundamental level, just more representation, uh, more people like me. I very rarely see people of color uh, as coaches and leaders, I would love to see that change. I would love for women to be feel less intimidated as a result of that because they don't have to worry about what they look like or how they act or whether they're good enough to show up to a session or an assessment or whatever else they're planning on doing in paddling. And at the end of the day, the neurodiversity angle is just so that people can feel comfortable talking about how they're feeling. So if, I, if I'm feeling anxious about going down a rapid, don't force me, which often happens because people think they just need to encourage their learners and they'll just go down and they'll be fine. But if somebody has 
if somebody suffers from anxiety, I don't want to push them. Uh, so it's just that kind of awareness amongst coaches and leaders that there is a spectrum of neuro ability and there's a spectrum of gender that we need to be very mindful of and incorporate it in our coaching. Mm. And Ailey, I'm wondering about what, because I guess, you know, it's really, it can be really challenging coaching white water for, for young athletes, especially, um, but all, in fact, all athletes, I think, uh, well, athletes, I mean, I say actually all canoeists, you know, it's terrifying white water when you first start. And I don't think it matters who you are, you're going to harbor some anxieties. And I guess you will have come across this quite a bit in, in the in the Slalom Inspires program. I wonder what your take on that sort of, you know, that kind of balancing act between encouragement and, and you know, helping people to see what they can do when they, they can perhaps be actually quite quite scared sometimes. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's um, having been on the side of being a nervous paddler and also coaching people or seeing, um, seeing other people get coached, that balance is so hard. Um, and I think, I mean, just as you say, Adja, having those conversations and being being able to be open and honest about how people feel makes a massive difference because it, it allows that communication between coaches and leaders and um, and paddlers. Actually, some we had it on our Project Float hangout just last the other week. Um, one of the young coaches was uh, doing a presentation, Bex, who um, I think she's 17. She coaches at Stafford and Stone Canoe Club. And it was really interesting because she was saying um, that she really likes coaching uh, the young paddlers that are nervous because she was that paddler and or and still is is, is quite in that recent history and she feels like she because she can relate to them so well and um, she has that empathy she can get that connection and, and understand okay when is it good to push them when do they want to be pushed and when actually they're it's better to kind of keep them at the level that they're at I just think if you have diverse leaders and coaches then just as you say Adja then you're going to have those people that have the experiences that can connect to more more paddlers yep exactly right oh sorry do you want to say oh, sorry. Go on, Adia? no it's okay no no I was just saying that's exactly right mm. that's that's why we need the diversity so people can relate and do you think that I suppose I was just thinking, you know, sometimes and I've been coaching and I am kind of almost desperate for the, per the people I'm coaching to experience this awesome, cool thing that I know is out there if they could just do this one thing. And I suppose there's an energy there, right? And coaches can be, you know, I suppose motivated purely out of love and care can actually end up, you know, can you can end up pushing quite hard potentially. And it can be quite delicate because you actually want somebody to experience what you know they can you know and canoeing is a wonderful sport for that isn't it because there's always something out there and I suppose there's water that I'd go on and I would definitely be absolutely terrified and it is it's that constant comfort zone thing it's always you know I think outdoor sports but canoeing well paddle sports you know they're always comfort zone is always there potentially I, I suppose I, I don't know Adia what do you think do you do you, do you feel like enthusiasm can be a double-edged sword in, in in coaching kind of thing in that way? I think it, I mean, it can be, right? I mean, if you think that I love this and that everybody else could also love it if they just tried, um, there is the risk of putting somebody in too deep. Um, I Two years ago, I went with an amazing coach um, for a week in a place that I will not name because <laughs> it's a, it's a ferocious, ferocious environment. And I was in too deep. 
uh, I hated it. I had two days of coaching there. I absolutely hated it. And I wanted to come home and I wanted to quit kayaking. So I think, I think even for somebody like me, who's not a beginner, that can have a huge impact if you push somebody way too hard, way too quickly. Um, and I, I think we just need to get that balance a little bit better. It's interesting you say there, Adria, about um, the environment, because I think for sure I've I can see kind of I mean I'm no coach at all I just kind of coach people here and there um but when people are in a good environment that seems to make such a difference um and I think I mean I see I'll give an example from one of our slalom and spars events is one of our young girls went down the Lee Valley White Water Course for the first time and it's it's a big course and it's it's pretty scary and there were quite a lot of people on the river and um and she got really overwhelmed and so she she came off the water um and she was really overwhelmed but I was there and there were a whole bunch of people there and she quickly calmed down and um I think because she was there and had so many of her peers supporting her and it was a really really safe supportive environment she decided the next day that she wanted to go and have another shot and we were able to Ashley Kimberly Woods um who's going to Tokyo she she was able to take her down one-to-one and the Eddie hopped down the river and she got to the end and she was just absolutely thrilled. I mean, like I was crying. I was, I was way too invested, but um, she was just so thrilled to get to the end. And it was such a, an amazing, like to see, because it was really her, she pushed herself to do that, but that was because the environment was, was safe and supportive and allowed her to do that. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I think that it's quite natural, right, to be, you know, it's a completely normal thing for human beings to be scared and to things that happen that are scary, that are overwhelming, and then they become, you know, they they, they become really uncomfortable and difficult. But then if you've got this supportive thing where you can process it, and I guess this is where you're talking about, you know, I'm really struck by this idea of these communities, you know, well, you know, spaces where there's diverse you know, people there to to kind of who can be related to and, and and have been through these things to process that. I don't think we should be scared about people getting scared. It's like that you can process it in your own way and be supported because then it's actually well, I think that's just one of the beautiful things because you realize two stories then, don't you? You realize A, you can go down Lee Valley or whatever place it was, and B, that when you're scared, it's actually being scared is not a bad thing. It's okay. And then you can actually get through it. And I think that to me, you know, even in sports in slalom, I suppose I always thought racing is scary. It's not actually not going to die or anything, but it is scary. But then you realize you go there and you process it and it is, it's fine. So Adia, would you ever be tempted into a, in a, in a competitive situation, just a little cheeky little slalom or something like that? What do you reckon? I've been thinking about taking up sub racing actually. Ah. I never thought I'd be a competitive paddler, but when I started paddleboarding, I thought I actually might be able to do it. But cool. Yeah. Well, I might try that. I, I remember doing a stand-up paddleboard race, and I fell off the last corner, and it was completely furious. And I remember it to this day; it still stings me a little bit. I got <laughs> overtaken. Anyway, that's just how it goes. That's life. So I'm just uh, I'm just seeing somebody, uh, Zofia. Uh, hey, Zofia, you're lovely to see you here. There's a nice question here. What kind of campaigns do you do to grow our female membership? What sort of things could we do, and how do we? What kind of things do we do? I don't know who wants to pick that one up first. Shall I chuck that to you, Ailey? How about that? Do you have an idea on that one? Um, is she asking what kind of things do I do or do we do as a community? 
No, do you do? How about, you know, what does, so how does Slalom Inspires and Project Flow, how do you think that would grow our female membership? How, how might that work? So what we've been focusing, I guess, at the moment with Slalom Inspires is to kind of retain the girls that we have in the sport. Um, you see a massive, um, yeah, you see a massive drop off, I mean, of um, girls across all sports in the UK around the age of puberty um, and then after school. Uh, so what we've really been trying to do is with our with our events and all our in our projects um, and like Instagram lives and all of all of the stuff we're doing is to really try and promote all the amazing things that canoeing gives you. I mean, confidence and friendships and getting to travel the world and fitness and fun and um, really trying to promote that as it's cool to be involved with and even if you don't want to go down the competitive route I think sometimes there can be a, a small rhetoric in slalom that if you don't want to go down the competitive route then um that's it and unfortunately we see a lot of people drop off the sport for that so I think um what we're doing at the minute is to try and try and keep those people in the sport and we've got some some ideas for how we can develop um that next stage really for us to tackle is the uh, increasing the participation. So do you want, have you got any cool ideas that you want to talk about now? Or is it all you just think? Um, there's there's some ideas that I haven't run past some people, so I'm not going to, but... Um, that's all right. Think, no, that's fine. I don't what, want to mess you around. What, what, what has been shown to make a massive difference is running girls-only sessions, like come and try it sessions. So Jonathan Davies, who runs the North Wales um, the North Wales programme, he's done an incredible job and he ran um, these girls-only come and try it sessions and he had 16 young um young girls come and and try paddling and they were coached by a female coach uh Anya who's only 14 and um and they've then 12 of them then went and joined clubs and uh he did a survey after and I asked them um a whole bunch of questions and 50% of them wouldn't have even turned up to the day had it been a mixed group um which is massive and mm it just shows the power of girls only paddling sessions so we're really ho hoping to um, increase our network work with some clubs work with some key individuals potentially some of our project flow coaches um to start running those girls only paddling sessions and try and get um like a low well basically loads more girls paddling slalom yeah and what do you think so adia we you know men, you know you mentioned this earlier sort of women and girls only sessions what do you think are the advantages of those and and um just talk a little bit because i think you you're quite quite uh quite an advocate for those as well uh yeah i think um the basic thing is that you don't have the fear of judgment and the fear of being left behind uh when i started pedaling i was always the last person in the group because I'm all of five feet, two inches. I don't weigh a lot. I don't have a lot of power. I certainly didn't at that time. Um, so that feeling of being left behind is really powerful and it sticks with people. So if somebody comes to a mixed session, a regular club night, and they they just get left behind, they're in a boat that doesn't fit them, etc. It just puts people off and they won't come back. I've seen it for years. I've been that person and uh, I think I think the women's only sessions help us avoid that uh, especially if they're run by a female coach um, I think we can spend a bit more time looking at kit fitting people in properly and there's there's no judgment I think I think it's just a safer place and it's it's terrible that we have to create these smaller pockets but I think they do help 
Yeah, I just seen. I'm just going to get a comment here from Zoe Weingol Maynard. Uh, it's really interesting. So she's saying when I started coaching scouts about five years ago, we predominantly had boys joining paddling, and now an increasing amount of girls are returning year after year. I think having a female coach has helped to keep girls coming back, and I think that must be one of the. That's got to be one of the big, big things here. Is that I mean, it seems to make sense to me. And I think do you, do you notice when uh, young uh, young men, young boys are in a in a group coached by a female coach. Is the dynamic different there as well? When there's a large number of, of female uh, paddlers on the water, how does do you think that kind of does that change the way that things are a little bit? I go, um, Adia, what do you think? Is that something you've experienced, or is that just me thinking? Uh, I think I think if if I'm setting the environment, it's definitely different. I think there's less messing about. People aren't going to run off in the distance as they might do with other coaches. But that's just because I've set the boundaries and they're very specific. People can't do whatever they want. But there, there is the odd occasion where people will. And that's always a challenge for me. That's that's my leadership challenge that I need to get people more in line. Uh, but in general, I think when, the, when I set up a session, I set it up so that more women would join without having to say it, that it's a women-only session. And I seem to get a 50-50 split uh, because I focus more on skills. I focus more on efficiency. I don't say we're going to paddle 20K today. Uh, that seems to attract the men in our club. Uh, it's I hate to stereotype, but I've noticed it. And uh, when, I, when I say I'm going to focus on skills, more women show up, I, I set up different types of sessions, different boats, um, it seems to work. Seems to get people coming. And so, Adia, what sort of is a? I'm oh, Cassie Gary is saying I'm coming to one of your <laughs> sessions next week. Ailey, I'm assuming, or is that Adia? Do you know who who's that? Who's that? It, yeah, it's Cassie. She's. I think she's just messaged me to come to a sub session on Monday. Oh, cool. So yeah. That brings me to my next question, Adia. I was wondering what sort of you know do you coach in uh, kayak, stand up paddle boarding? Which one or canoe? I don't know which craft do you prefer or which do you enjoy coaching in the most? Where do you see the most reward for coaching? Is it particularly to do with a craft or is it completely to do with a group? Uh, I think so. It's it's difficult because I'm I was part of the old scheme of British canoeing, so I kind of grew up with the kayak and canoe. Um, standard paddleboarding is very new to me. I'm not a I'm not qualified to teach it. I lead the sessions and I help people with their confidence and standing up. Uh, I don't go into too many things about technical things. I, I leave that to technical coaches, but I will I will do the assessment this year and qualify. Um, but I think with the huge uptake of standard paddleboarding amongst women, uh, my sessions on paddleboards are female dominated. So I'm running one tomorrow morning where it's four women and two two men, and on Monday it's all women, and I've got twenty women on a wait list to do a beginner paddleboard session with me. Wow, that is some flock <laughs> of uh, of enthusiasts you've got wanting to go. Gonna go. Ah, that's amazing. That's super. That's amazing numbers as well. And I mean, I guess we're not talking about numbers necessarily here. You know, it sounds to me like there's a quality of enthusiasm and a sort of stickiness that we're. we're I suppose this is what Ailey is talking about, and you, Adia, as well. The sticky side of things to get people kind of. You know, I think. That, canoeing or paddle sports they've all got very steep learning curves haven't they and i think that it can be quite hard to keep people going have you got any tricks uh ailey and and i'll ask you ailey first do you do you 
you know, I'm, I'm thinking just when I heard Adia talk about the framing of sessions, you know, and getting things set up right. Is there something that you've noticed that you try and do particularly to help set up sessions in the sheep paddles uh, context or anything like that? Um, yeah, a couple of things, I guess, from my own experiences um, and also just from chatting, from being around kind of women in, in paddle sports a lot. Um, I think women particularly enjoy the social side of things and I know that's a big stereotype and but in general the social side of things is a massive part of what keeps them there I mean Adja you even starting was because one of your friends um came paddling and that was I used to be a swimmer and I really got hooked onto canoeing because I suddenly found this little group of friends that were immediately became close with and that's what kept me in the sport and so the things that we try and do with slalom inspires is um and project flow and basically anything that i'm running is to focus on those cultivating those relationships and friendships and and community because that's what's going to keep people in the sport um but i also think there's a couple of little tricks that that help i mean uh, one of the things we do when we send out information packs for our weekends is just have a little section on what to wear because personally when i was 14 the thought of like turning up to an event and being dressed wrong or differently was it was giving me so much anxiety but we basically say turn up in jeans leggings you'll get your slalom and spars t-shirt as soon as you come in and then everyone's equal and it just I mean it literally takes two minutes to write but I think um little things like that suddenly make coming to something far less daunting yeah that's fascinating no, it's just, I'm really struck by that, the sort of care that you're, you know, the consideration there, because, you know, and, I, and I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a man, I would, you know, not have thought of that. Although, absolutely, I'd be that guy who turns up wearing completely the wrong clothing and looking like a complete a complete nightmare but no that's such a that's such an interesting thought and and it's just really interesting to think again in this kind of context where women and girls perhaps feel really really disempowered and you know lack of confidence these little things can well they actually turn out to be really quite big things and i'm, I'm really struck by that so yeah thank you for sharing that i'm just want to bring in uh, james duffy's question here as well so um this is a question that was kind of i i i had before the before the session started so why do you think paddleboarding appears to be more popular with women than men and the opposite is true of kayak and canoe and i'm not totally sure about that but i would say it seems to me stand-up paddleboarding is seems to be quite popular with women i don't know is there some something there do you think or is that just a anecdote i mean i'm not saying james is something that i would kind of observe as well myself uh, adia what do you think i don't know do you think do you notice that? uh i think i think british canoeing have some numbers on increasing membership and uh, stand-up paddleboarding being uh, an increasing discipline among their uh, women members i think that's that's not a coincidence i think it's happening um the reason, is, the reason I think it's more popular is because it's not male-dominated. Women feel it's, you know, it's fair game. It's brand new. We can have a go and it's fine. Whereas kayak and can canoeing have got this, you know, age-old um, image. You close your eyes, you think of a kayaker or a canoeer. Who do you picture? And it, it's going to take some time to change that. But for paddleboarding, we've got a clean slate where we can start fresh. Yeah. That's really interesting. Again, go on. Amy, I was just going to say, um, independently, I thought exactly the same thing. I mean, we always talk about the power of role models. And when you Google um, stand up paddleboarding, 
you'll almost certainly be filled with pages and pages of women paddling and those those are the role models there and I think um it it would be interesting to see like if if the the case was the opposite where when you googled pictures of canoe and kayaking and you saw pages and pages of women um whether whether that would would make a difference I don't know if that makes sense no 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 I think it's I think it is really because it's this emergent scene it's an emergent community and it's getting to probably to define itself as it as it goes and i think it's really interesting Ailey, at this point because c1 women discipline in in slalom is well it's not new anymore but it has kind of got its way back into the into into the olympic program and has become obviously more popular as a result but it's interesting because you're kind of on you know kind of being in in that space and i think that's a really fascinating dynamic for you to explore now because in a way it's like women kind of claiming a part of this territory and that's kind of can be quite quite intense experience i guess yeah for sure i mean for anyone that doesn't know um c1 like women paddling in c1 in slalom hasn't been in the olympics previously there were three categories for men and one for women and i've well, the class kind of made it made its world championships debut in 2010, so it's actually a, quite a, a young class. And I've been kind of paddling it over the last few years, kind of behind those girls that were the pioneers and face a, incredible discrimination and very outward. I mean, doing your race at 8 a.m. in the morning in Slovakia because Slovak TV didn't want to didn't want to air you, um, and there's been a real, real fight to get into the Olympics. So now for in Tokyo, for our sport to be gender equal and we have um, two male categories, two female categories and C1 Women is is going to make its Olympic debut is, is such a momentous moment. And I think, I mean, I would have loved to be that boat that was racing in Tokyo and I'm not, but I still couldn't be filled with more pr- pride that, are, that we're going to have a we're going to have those equal opportunities. And for any young girl um, that someone says they don't belong in the sport or that they don't feel that they belong in the sport, all they have to do now is to point to the biggest stage in the world and say, yeah, I do. <laughs> like, look, she looks like me and I can do that. And she's paddling at the Olympics. Mm. No, that's, and, and I think I would like to ask you, Ailey, at this point, because I know that you've actually been very outspoken and very, you know, I think um, very brave as well, because there was a, you wrote a letter recently to an open letter that was published and you wrote a letter to Mallory Franklin, who's representing Team GB in Tokyo in C1 Women Katui. And I don't know if some of our viewers um, are welcome, by the way, if you've just joined us, thank you for being here. And uh, if you're listening again, thank you for listening again. It's super cool. Uh, we've got Adia Misra and Ailey Gibson here joining us tonight. We're talking about all sorts of things about women in paddle sport. But I just was asking Ailey, I think it'd be really cool to, for you to talk about this letter a little bit because maybe talk about a bit about the context and, and, and what drove you to write that letter and also talk about letter because I think you know, not everyone will have seen this, but I think it was a really important thing to do. Thanks. Um, yeah, a few weeks ago, there was some derogatory comments made about C1 women and women's ability to paddle in C1 and whether we deserve to be at the Olympic Games Um on on a post that was about actually celebrating how far the class had come and where the slalom community is a, a small community and everyone was was outraged really that that and lots of people commented on it and um 
I felt like I wanted to address it, but I wasn't sure how to do that. And so I just started writing a letter actually to Mallory Franklin, who is going to be the one representing Great Britain at the Tokyo Games for C1. And I, I really spoke about I mean, she was she was really one of the first C1 women going. She raced in the men's category before there was a women's category in the UK. And um, when I started C1, it was it was really I mean, looking on YouTube, there was you could see like little clips here and there of girls paddling C1. And, and that was kind of Mallory and, and those pioneers. And it was because of them that I thought, oh, you know, girls can't like girls are actually able to paddle C1 because if you didn't see them you didn't realize it was possible anyway so I, I wrote her this letter about kind of what it means to me to be a C1 woman and how grateful I am for those girls that have pioneered before me and how proud I am to have been part of this movement and for the girls that are that are going to come after us um and so I wrote her a letter and, and I published it on my website and I can I'm sure I can put a link somewhere I'm not sure but um and it actually how many people it resonated with and so many C1 women and, and coaches and people from all across the world got in touch and said that it meant something to them and that was really special because being a C1 woman when you there is like a there's like an unspoken look when you smile at someone at international start line you just know and I I always thought it is mutual and it's not just me but so many people got in touch and said yeah that you you said how you were feeling, but you explained how we were all feeling. And I think this moment in Tokyo is is so, so, so cool. And I'm so excited to watch it. Mm, yes. Yeah, so Ailey, we've just put your website on your uh, on the on the on the bit there so people can go and visit that. And your letters on there, is that right? Yeah. Yes, it is I under the my story I section. Oh, thank you. No, that's it was a is a really good letter and, and I want to say credit to you for kind of you know speaking out and uh, getting on there as well. So so I know I just wanted to start to just because you know I I kind of uh, know that people have got other things to do on their on their Thursday evenings. But it's something next week we're gonna do uh, an episode really focusing on mental health and you know the power of paddle sports. It's something that we've just returned to again and again and again, because I think there's something very powerful about the outdoors paddle sports and about the community that we have and about something to do with the connection that we of our sport. And I know I just wanted to speak to both a little bit about this and Adia, I know you've posted on social media a bit about how important paddling is for you. And I just wondered what your thoughts are, how, what, what does paddling do for you? And and sometimes I use this word spirit or soul or your mind or whatever you want to, however, if you want to frame it, what does what does paddling do for you in that regard and how does it do you think do you see it as something you know affecting your mental health in a hopefully in a positive way <laughs> i'll be i'll be honest definitely doesn't always affect me in a positive way but I'm, uh, that's one of the parts of the adventure anyway go on adia uh definitely affects me in a in a hugely positive way that's why i'm still doing it i've moved i don't know five cities in the last seven years and still paddling made so many new friends in various clubs and things i think for me because of the kind of work i do during the day for me it's um it's not an it's not escapism but it's more like a therapeutic hypnosis i call it because when i'm on the water i'm 100 percent there i can't switch off like that doing anything else and i have i have started doing other things like running swimming doesn't work I'm still thinking about other things but when I'm pedaling 
I'm just there 100% focusing on my blade, focusing on my boat and focusing on my myself. Um, and that that kind of hypnotic feeling is is really powerful. It really helps you reconnect with yourself and you know to to sound really philosophical it reconnects with uh, nature in a way yeah and it sounds to me like you you know there's this kind of interesting kind of mindfulness side to paddling i think that's you know it's very yeah. it's kind of internal but there's also that external side you know and, and nature and the beauty of some of the places that we paddle not all of them are beautiful yeah but do you does that does that is that important to you as well uh, yeah the sort of 100 environment yeah you know, the outside side yeah, I mean, even if it's a if it's a really you know like a canal next to a motorway, it's still much nicer than sitting at my desk, for example. Um, I sadly never got into white water because there wasn't too much stuff to look at or enough time to even try and look at the trees near you. But it, I think focusing on the beauty around you, however small or big, is is really helpful. Mm. And Ailey, what about you? Because I know that, you know, you've been through some really tough challenges with both slalom paddlers. You know, it's a, a very demanding sport mentally. I can, can't can say that I've always felt like amazing doing it when I've been, you know, in the pits of a real difficult challenge on in, in that part of it. And I'm I'm very conscious we've had people also talking about the, you know, the mental health benefits. And I'm wondering how, you know, you felt about the mental health side of, of, of your journey and, and how sport and how paddling has you know, helped or maybe challenged it as well. How long have you got? Um, well, <laughs> give us a medium version. No, um, yeah, I've had some real struggle with injury over the last few years. I had two surgeries in 2019 and basically kind of had four years where my shoulder was um, sore. And I had some kind of dark times in that for sure. And times that I definitely didn't want to go canoeing and I was I was pretty angry actually at, at canoeing for for giving me that pain um and it was a conversation with you Etienne that actually made a massive difference I don't know if I've told you what did I say I hope it was a good stuff um, <laughs> you said uh, we were chatting on the phone and you said what well, do you tell your slalom and spars girls that they need to be Olympic champions to go canoeing and I was like well obviously not no it's about what sport gives you and it's about confidence and friendships and those memories that'll last a lifetime and you were like well I think you maybe need to look in the mirror and take your own advice and I think that was a real turning point for me and understanding I think actually my relate slalom inspires and having that and having and being able to see the positive of sport when in my own personal little world it, it wasn't very positive I think that's what saved my relationship with canoeing and that's what's kept me coming back because um you see how much it means to people and you can see how much it changes people's lives and I think that's the the magic of of canoeing beautiful I I completely agree and I I'm really uh massively advocating sports activities and I love I love personally I love canoeing kayaking I'm gonna say I love paddle sports all of them, because to me, they've all got this element, this 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 thing that makes it beautiful for us to, to get involved in. Hold on, there's one last comment here from Claire Rutt Rutter. 
these two ladies are just so inspirational and when we're we're really lucky to have them on board with the she paddles programs what these ladies describe is what i call the she paddles effect it really has to be experienced to believed such a wonderfully nurturing and supportive community environment that we as women are naturally drawn to thank you that's a lovely thing to say. And, and Helena as well saying, Helena, hey, Helena, cannot agree more, Adia. It helped her through school and the friends and that kind of safe place. It sounds like, you know, you, we're, we're kind of, well, you guys are doing amazing stuff. And I'm I'm just really grateful for you having been on the show. I don't know if there's any one last thing you want to say, Adia first and then Ailey, and, and then we'll I think we'll try and wrap up. Adia, is there anything want to get last one thing out there? I would just tell all the men in paddle sports to encourage more women to take it up. Yeah. That's, that's all I'd say. Cool. And Ailey, what about you? Anything? Yeah, I would say um, don't hesitate to get involved if you want to know how you can um, create more safe spaces for women or get more women involved. Um, whoever you are, like, don't be afraid to get in touch with me, Etienne, Adia, like British canoeing. Um, and yeah, we're absolutely love to. I don't know if we can help, but <laughs> we will if we can. Uh, it sounds like you're both doing amazing work in, in your areas. And, uh, and I'm just going to say my personal hope, uh, Adia, is that you get into a slalom C1 and I reckon you'd have a good time. It's so so much fun to paddle C1s. So I just love it. And uh, so, yeah, just want to say thank you to both of you for giving up your time to come here and speak to us here today. Thank you to everybody watching uh, live tonight. Thank you to everybody listening again or watching again. I just want to say thank you. It's great to have you all along. If you want to uh, come back for next week's episode, it's going to be about paddling and mental health. Remember, you can catch up on Facebook and YouTube. But I just want to wish you all a fantastic rest of your week, a lovely weekend, and see you next week. And thanks, everybody, once again for being here. And good night. I'll see you again.